Shalom, everyone. This is Luke Tanner with the Zion Hebraic Congregation. Today's Shabbat message is by me from 1 Peter chapters 4 and 5. Feel free to head over to our website. There you can find archived Shabbat messages. You can also subscribe to our messages on your favorite podcast platform provider. Also on our website, you can uh, subscribe to my dad's blog in the uh, subscribe box. And you can also find links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Shabbat shalom, everybody. So we're going to be back in Peter again, and we're going to finish up the book today. So if you want to go to 1 Peter chapter 4, that's where we're going to be. <clears throat> Slowly worked our working, have worked our way through the book. I don't know. We'll see. If I do chapter or book two after or not. So a quick recap of chapter three. Um, <clears throat> Peter kind of gets into husband and wives relationships. Then he talks about suffering, how life is kind of a, a process of suffering. Um, and you're going to suffer either way, so you might as well suffer doing what's right. And uh, Yeshua suffered for us, so it's nothing new. And then uh, he's given us husband and wife relationships to uh, be a supporting mechanism through life and designed by him. And so but that only works properly when we fulfill our God-given roles that are laid out in Scripture. All that's under attack today, which is all the more important reason for us to uphold it and support it. So, And we have hope in, uh, because our Messiah suffered for our sins and redeemed us from death. So that's kind of a recap of chapter 3. So we'll get into chapter 4 and, and then 5. And uh, yeah. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll read both of them, and then we'll go through it. <clears throat> All right, Heavenly Father God, thank you for this day to be together, um, to sing praises to your name, and to uh, rest on this Shabbat, and to gather and read from your word, and uh, that we may learn and apply it to our hearts, just to do what's right, walk in your way, and be a witness in uh, this world, and pray that you would come quickly, and redeem us, and gather us back to your land, and uh, that all things would be as they should uh, the days of heaven on earth. So just ask all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right. First Peter chapter 4. For as much then as Messiah has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. For he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our lives may suffice us to have 
uh, to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in libaciousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> For this cause we preach uh, the gospel preached also to them that are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak... Let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified through Yeshua Messiah, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Messiah's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Messiah, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part is evil spoken of, uh, he is evil spoken of, but on your part he's glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in another man's matters. Yet, if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him, be glory, uh, but let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? There, wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Chapter 5. The elders which are among you I exhort, and am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Messiah, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint, but willingly, not by filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the almighty hand of God, that, you may exalt your, uh, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, who resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory, be uh, by Messiah Yeshua, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. 
The church that is in Babylon, elect together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Messiah Yeshua. Amen. So, a couple awesome chapters. Just really good stuff. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It just, to me, for me anyway, maybe not you, kind of... I don't know, all, there's a whole book, really, but there's these chapters, too, just kind of strike at the core of, I don't know, things that affect all of us today, affect me, um, dealing with uh, where we're at, how we're living, what we're dealing with, because, you know, don't forget, Peter is writing to uh, the diaspora. He's, he's writing to the, the congregations that are spread all over the place, and he's you know, addressing issues that are basically, I think, the same as what's going on now. Issues in our own congregations, issues with people, because nothing really ever changes, you know, nothing is new under the sun. It's all the same things, and we're having to deal with these things. So um, the newness of what he was dealing with being that now the gospel was going to be going out to all the nations to uh, spread forth God's word to the whole world such that all who are his sheep will be gathered back unto himself. And so, um, you know, there's complications that happen with that because here dealing with people. And whenever there's people, there's chaos. So nothing new. And he, and he, and he says this, but he hits some major points um, that are worth noting. So, so we're going to kind of go back um, go back through this. So he, he starts off with this idea of suffering because he kind of ends with that in chapter 3. So, for as much as Messiah has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffereth in the flesh has ceased from sin. So, I first the first thing that sticks out to me there, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. So, what did the mind of what you, what kind of mind did Yeshua have? Well, it was perfect, you know. So we're supposed to arm ourselves with that same mind. You know, he had the mind of God, um, the mind of the Word of God, you know. And it's that seat of, you know, reason and logic where we, you know, you have your, your gut instincts, you have your, your impulses, your wants and desires. But then it, there's, it's almost, it's when Paul talks about it, it's the war of the flesh where you have, your fleshly desires, but then you have, it kind of goes through this process to where everything that gets filtered through your mind, where you actually decide what you're going to do. Am I going to get out of bed on time, or am I going to cave to my flesh and just lay here a little longer because it feels so comfortable? You know, so you war against yourself, and so we're supposed to have the mind of Yeshua, which was perfect. He didn't give in to the flesh, even though he was tempted on all things just as we are. And so, because we have his spirit residing in us, we can now function according to his mind uh, and, and have that direction and guidance in us to do what's right. Because we all know what's right. We, we know what, it's really not that cussing complicated. <laughs> so he's already, so, and you're going to suffer. So for as much then as Messiah has suffered for us in the flesh, uh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffereth in the flesh hath ceased from sin. So, Yeshua, you know, conquered death, died, get, uh, redeem us from, from our sin, and so we can have the same mind. All right, let's keep going here. Um, and that he, no, uh, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh of the lust of men, but to the will of God. So you're training your mind. You're working out and having the same mind of God so that you can 
live this rest of the time that you have, not according to your flesh, but the will of God, which is, which is the word of God. Because and then he gets into things that happen with the Gentiles. For in times past, uh, our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. So there's this will of, the God, of God, will of the Gentiles, which is anything else other than God's word. You know, and he, and he goes through some of the livaciousness, lust, excesses, wine, reveling, banqueting, abominable idolatries. And they're going to think it's strange that you don't do the same thing. Um, but, and he goes down into six, but for this cause was the gospel preached unto them that are dead, that they might be judged according to, to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So the gospel is preached unto those that are dead, dead being just like um, in the Garden of Eden, you know, in eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, dying you shall surely die. So they, death is separation from God. So those who are not uh, in Messiah are spiritually dead. They are separated from God. And so it is the gospel that is preached that uh, brings life. Um, all right, and then continuing on, seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Be, I find that interesting, the end of all things at hand. And here we, I, you know, I'm kind of sitting here reading this, thinking, you know, we had, we had a long ways to go. But the truth of the matter is the end of all things is hand because the Messiah had come and the Messiah will return again. But it was kind of, the beginning of the end, shall we say. And so the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober. And, and I don't think he just means like don't be drunk all the time. I think he means, you know, having a sober mind. Because we're talking, he opens up talking about the mind of Yeshua that we're supposed to have. So it's, it's clear. It's clarity. Uh, it's right. It does what's right. And so we have this mind so that we redeem the time that we have. And, uh, and then he says, watch unto prayer, which I find interesting. I don't know about you guys, but oftentimes I feel like my, my prayer life is either non-existent, canned prayers, or except when things are really bad and I really need help. <laughs> and then you're really a brand, you know what I mean? Which I, I hate that about myself. And, um, you know, something I probably all of us maybe need to work on, but having more of a consistent prayer prayer life you know it's just something that we're commanded to do something that we're supposed to do that God wants uh, to have that interaction with him uh, and our pa- prayers are uh, effective the fervent prayer of a righteous man uh, affect us much or something I'm butchering the verse but <clears throat> and so it's important to, to have this prayer life and I think too it's it's not even maybe so much for God as much as it is for us. Because when you pray and you pray consistently, it's kind of like having a relationship with your wife or with your parents. It's like if you're going to you're gonna see them and come to them on a regular basis, you can't drift too far without really knowing it. And so I think it's a lot of us for, for us. It's like God doesn't need our prayers, so to speak, isn't it? But, but we, we need that process. We need that connection uh that that being heard it's like kids you know that you're not listening you're not listening to me you know like because oftentimes we just tune them all out and uh so they they need to know that there's that connection just like we need to know there's that connection um anyways it's interesting prayer is an interesting thing i uh, but that's for another time so then he goes in uh continuing on here covering a few things uh in eight through eleven uh, it talks about uh, 
how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. So, you know, we're, we're going to suffer. We don't live like the Gentiles anymore. Uh, so we live un- unto the will of God. We need to pray. And then getting into verse 8, uh, he talks about, you know, now some things that we need on a practical basis, what we can do. You know, our uh, charity, hospitality, and how we speak. So 8, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Use hospitality without grudging. I find that so, so interesting. 10, as every man hath received a gift, you know, use your gifts as good suit of God. And um, if any man speak, let him speak of the oracles of God. If any man miss her, let him do his, abil- his abilities, that, God, that uh, God in all things may be glorified through Yeshua Messiah. So, you know, we're supposed to have fervent charity among ourselves. You know, help each other out. Do what's right. Care for each other. Be uh, willing to care for each other. You know, there's oftentimes more uh, charity and hospitality and care amongst the world with the, their own selves than amongst ourselves. And, uh, and, and, but it's easy for the world because, I don't know why, because, you know, they're all, my dad talks about it. It's like, you know, gangs or uh, all of his hippie friends or, you know, these different communities. Like, you know, if, you, if you're, you mountain bike a lot or you're in the climbing community or there's a homeschool group. And, you know, it is human nature to kind of have, God has designed us to have community, but we're supposed to have that within the, the brotherhood as well and take care of each other. So we need to um, have, where were we, eight, charity for one another, nine, hospitality without grudging. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, good thing that never affects me. <laughs> I, <you know. laughs> as every man, and then use your gifts for God to do what's right as good stewards of the grace of God. In other words, God's done a whole lot for you, and He's given you these gifts now, so you need to do what you're supposed to with them. It's kind of like kids. It's like I gave you this so that you can do what's right with it. Don't you know, spurn me by then going and doing whatever you want with it. Like, this is not so that you can do whatever you want. It's for something I've given you to accomplish that what I try have sent for you to do. Same, you know, it's the same thing with God, with us. He's given us gifts and life and uh, his mind to be able to use it for his effective purpose, for his will. So, now, let's see here. Get in and we'll go go down to 12. And then I love this in 12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. <laughs> so in other words, life's going to be hard. Life's going to be suffering. Don't be surprised by that. Don't think uh, everything's going to be good. You know, this, this is... We're, we're not in Joel Osteen's church. Sorry. Real life is hard. Real life is a struggle. Relationships are a struggle. Jobs are a struggle. Money is a problem. You know, you live in a fallen world. Like, suck it up and get over it already. You know, this is reality. Don't be surprised. So, and that's what he's telling us. He's not, he's not sitting here saying, God is going is to just rain down blessing on you. I mean, maybe, and, and you're fortunate if that happens, but more than likely you're going to struggle. So there you go. And even people who have everything, have money or cars or, you know, the, the normal successes of life, 
you know, they're not, oftentimes they're not happy because of that. They'll go and they'll do, what, you know, why do you think you get actors, right, who are super wealthy, then go do a ton of charity work? Because they feel like their careers as actors is basically meaningless. And so they actually have to go do something that has some meaning in their, and can give their lives meaning. And they have the ability to give back. But everybody has that ability on their own level. And, it, and life is going to be hard and a struggle, especially because now you're following God and not, as he said, the rest of the world that's going to think you're some weirdo because you're, you know, you believe, like I was swimming with a friend, a friend, oh, this is a couple summers ago, and we were swimming, and he's like, you know, being in the water just feels so natural. It makes you wonder if we, if we came from the, did our species come out of the water first or from the ground? And, uh, and I was like, well, you know, according to the Bible, God formed us from the dust of the earth. And he's like, are you, are you a creationist? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, wow. You know, to him, that was just like, whoa, you're one of those. But the kicker is, he has no idea you're so uh, indoctrinated in lies in the world, right? He, he has never heard anything of any arguments of the other side. And the reality is, there is more factual, real scientific-based evidence for the Bible, for what God says happened, than the make-believe fairy tale, fairy tale world of what everybody else says about evolution. It's just a friggin' bunch of garbage. Don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise. So, there's my spiel on that. I don't know how I got that. <laughs> oh, they're going to think you're weird, right? Trials, that's what it is. Here we, uh, where was I? Uh, 12. So it's not strange. Get over it. So, but rejoice. Be happy. Uh, not interesting. You know, don't walk around, woe is me, I'm suffering for God. No. No, we're happy. We're, we're doing so it's right. You know, we're carrying on. Inasmuch as you're partakers of, of Messiah's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you'll be glad also with exceeding joy. So you're going to triumph in him, just as he's going to rule and reign you know, you're going to be with the winning party. 14. If you be uh, reproached for the name of Messiah, happy are you for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. So it's, it's all good. Don't let it get to you. So, but don't let, you better not suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Uh, yeah, that one's maybe pretty applicable. <clears throat> uh, yeah, if any man suffer as a Christian, or we could say messianic, if you want to be all Hebraic, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. That's another thing. Let him not be ashamed. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's like, you know, you feel like a weirdo. You feel a little awkward. But we're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be proud of it. It's like, yeah, I'm proud of who and what I am and what I'm a part of, you know? Carry that flag. <laughs> uh, where was I? Uh, I'll not be ashamed. Okay. 17. <clears throat> For time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So it's interesting. Judgment begins first at the house of God. We've talked about, you probably heard that a million times, but it's true. You know, 
I'm going to instruct my children first before I worry about anybody else's. It's just, just the nature of how God thinks, God designed things. He's, he wants his own house in order, and he's going to judge that first. And that idea of judgment and judging, it's actually a positive thing. It can have, it can be, judgment can be meted out with negative consequences, if that makes sense. Kid gets banked, you go to jail, whatever. But the whole idea and the meaning of the word behind judgment is to set things right. It's to repair that which has been disrupted. It's a good thing. What does the judge do when the case comes before him? And there's a fracture, there's a rupture, there's a problem. Someone has wronged something. He meets out judgment so that things will be set right again. That is what judgment is. So God is setting things right in his own household. He is fixing things, which comes through, you know, uh, him suffering for us, his, the mind, his mind being in us, his, his will being done, you know, that is his judgment and his justice. So that's the front mindset that we need to have. It can be harsh. It can be uh, tough to swallow, but it set things right to where they should be before it got off the tracks. All right, so uh, judgment begins at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely saved, so, you know, if the righteous are barely saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Not good, not good place. You don't want to be there. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So he's like, so I said all that to say, you're going to suffer, but you might as well do it according to the will of God. So he's kind of recapping and elaborating more on what he went into in chapter 3. And commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. God's created all things. You can trust and rely on him because he has a plan. He's going to mete out judgment and justice. And there is suffering because there is consequences for sin. So you might as well suffer for the will of God for good things instead of your own stupidity. So then he gets into, real quick, we'll try to get through chapter, uh, chapter 5 here. Um, but then he, he, he addresses the, the structure of the congregation a little bit. So he goes into elders. So he says, The elders which are among you I exhort, and am an elder also, also an elder, and a witness of the suffering of Messiah, and also partake of the glory that shall be revealed. So he's talking to uh, the elders, and he's saying, I am one, and have been, you know, in it from the beginning. First, feed the flock of God. So there are two, kind of, I'll kind of cap here at off what it says. They're to feed... Oversight willingly, uh, have a ready mind, and be examples to the flock. So, feed the flock of God. Take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Uh, there's a lot of all of that that goes on all the time. And, um, and in what he's going to get into later, which is, I think, a key thing that that is just generally missing from people, thankfully not for me, is humility. <laughs> uh, sorry, I could not admit. So, <laughs> uh, all right, so the, the elders, those who are, which shepherd the flock of God are supposed to feed the flock, just like a shepherd would do. That's your first job. 
preach them the word. What is the God's word is bread, is bread of life. You know, I listen to Pat. I don't know. I don't want to throw people on the bus, but or what radio pastors because I I glean from them, but. Oftentimes, you'll listen to stuff, and it's like, how much did you actually get into the Word of God? It's like you get this stupid little motivational 15-minute blip, and it's like, you know, wrapped in a couple quasi-versus things. It's like, yeah, maybe what you were saying was good, but that's not your job. You know, your job is to spread the Word and teach the Word of God, because it only is a thing that has life and power. Not, you know, me, my dad, or other pastors, or whoever, they don't, you know, we're no great anything awesome. You know, anyways. So, uh, have oversight thereof, not by constraint. No, you know, not by talking down to people and being like, listen here, sheepy. You're going to do what I say. You know, obviously that's going to work real well. And I've learned some of my own mistakes through the years, you know, and we'll continue to learn. And so, you know, if we all have a little bit of mercy on each other, it'll help. Uh, But willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples. So you're supposed to be in it to feed God's flock, not to uh, uh, have oversight by constraint, not be in it for money, filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. It's God's heritage. That's the thing that we need to understand. We're just shepherds, those who are just there to feed. It's like, it's like you got the, bar- the farm, I think of things in terms of horses. You got the farm owner, right? The, far- the owner owns the farm. It's their heritage. It's their horses. And they hire stupid little peons just to feed the animals. So he's like, just, you know, that's all you're supposed to do. Don't think you're anything that special just because you got the morning feed, you know, but a lot of people do. You get kind of you know, it's easy to get kind of puffed up. You feel good about yourself. Well, I'm the morning feed person. <laughs> it's like, no, don't get too excited about that. So, uh, not supposed to be lords over God's heritage, but an example to the flock. That's, that's the biggest thing, being an example. Which is a really tall order because we're all human and I'm not perfect. So, but still supposed to try. And when the chief shepherd, Yeshua, shall appear... You shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So there's a, a reward. And he goes into five. This is where we get into humility, which is, uh, the, there's a guy I like to listen to a podcast, and he says one of the most important character traits for people to have, or the most, which I, I tend to agree with him, uh, is humility, which is I find interesting because Moses, you know, God picked on Moses. He was the most humble man to ever live. Which I find, I never really understood that and why that really mattered, uh, kind of honestly, until, you know, listening, you know, to this guy's perspective. And, um, but it's really important because if you don't have humility, nobody's going to listen to you. You can't have a positive impact, no matter where you are in the strata of leadership of life. If you don't have humility, as a father to your kids, as a husband to your wife, as a wife to your husband, to your kids, to your boss, to those under you, a pastor, or whoever, or whatever. If you don't have humility with those who you interact with, you know, they're just going to think you're a pompous SOB. Why should I listen to you, jerk? So it's important. So verse uh, five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, 
All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace, grace, giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So we're supposed to first and foremost understand that we are under God. And that should automatically humble us. Uh, because the only reason we're anything, anywhere, and of anything is because of his grace and mercy. And so we are supposed to have some, a little bit of humble pie from that. And then when we understand where we are in relation to God, uh, then it should, should give us a, an essence of humility that pervades our life with those who are around us. Because it's not, it's not, it's not, you can't force anyone to do anything. You can't cram truth down their throat. You can't ridicule them into something. You know, you, but if you're humble and you just speak God's word and the truth, then it's up to them. And they have to decide how, how they're going to live, what they're going to do, uh, what they're going to suffer for. And, uh, and, and so that is our job. So be subject to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Seven, casting all your care upon him. Because what tends to happen, what's, where do we tend to swing? It's like, okay, all right, I just need to be humble. But what about blah, 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 blah. You know, so you have a lot of worries. And God says, hey, that's, that's my job. So you cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. And then I like this. But don't forget, you still have a job to do. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because why? You have an enemy. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeing whom he may devour. So that doesn't mean you turn into a pious, you know, mealy-mouthed wimp, humility, whatever. It means, no, you're humble, but you still have a strength of character and a job to do, and you have to be vigilant and sober, doing the will of God, because we have an adversary who's walking about trying to bring us down. It's very real. It's part of why we have to support each other. Seeking whom he may devour, who resisteth the steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, who hath called unto you his eternal glory by Yeshua Messiah, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he just closes it out from there. So, so kind of a quick recap. You know, you've suffered so far. It might as well, and so is Yeshua. So live for God, not like the Gentiles. Watch unto prayer. Have charity and humility. Speak rightly to each other. Suffer for God. For God will judge his house. Um, elders are supposed to be to feed the flock, oversight willingly, read uh, uh, the ready mind, be examples, and then we're all to be humble, sober, and vigilant before God so that we can live out his word. So he's, it's, just, it's just really great practical advice that Peter is writing to these congregations in the diaspora uh, because he knows they have a long road to hoe, you know, a long way to go, and it's going to be fraught with challenges and um, and more challenges. And so 
he, he speaks these words of encouragement to us. And I think they're awesome. It's so true. Uh, so, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for uh, this book. I thank you for Peter. I thank you for uh, your word. I thank you for uh, what you did with him and how you used him, even though you know, Peter struggled, struggled just like any of us would have, and we probably more so would have, but you um, used his, him as an instrument for you to reach others, and I thank you for that, and I, I pray that you would do the same in us, that we would all be your instruments to be used for your glory, to set things right, to establish judgment in the earth, and uh, that we may be sober and vigilant in uh, and, and obeying and watching, uh, watching how we live, that we may live for you, Father. And, and uh, I just pray that you give us a good rest of Shabbat. And Yeshua's name, amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Oh